0: You're listening to the Sermon Podcast from House for All Sinners and Saints. We are an Evangelical Lutheran Church in America congregation in Denver, Colorado, and you can find out more about us at www.houseforall.org. Grace, mercy, and peace are yours from the triune God. Amen. Amen. Uh, When I was in college, there were several years where my life was split into at least two worlds. My life with my friends at school, where I was openly gay, and my life with my family at home, where I was mainly closeted. During those years, I worked hard for those worlds to be separate and not bleed into each other. So part of my strategy to maintain separation was to stay as far away from children as possible. (laughs) Children have this uncanny ability to know when something is up and to ask precisely the wrong questions. (laughs) I remember one Christmas I was with my entire extended family. There wasn't any room at the adults table and so I had to sit at the kids table. My cousins were like six and seven, which I think is a particularly dangerous age. <laughs> you can start to have thoughts and questions. And I tried to keep the conversation about them, school, what teachers they liked, what they did for fun. But eventually the questions came. They wanted to know if I had a girlfriend, why I didn't have one, whether I wanted a girlfriend. Then my final, finally my little cousin asked in a deep Alabama drawl, are you gay and proud? LAUGHTER That was like code for being, like, extra gay. It was proud. <laughs> well, I don't remember what I said, but I'm pretty sure I turned all shades of red and stopped the questioning right then and there. Hanging out with kids was just too dangerous for me while I was aggressively managing the truth about my life. Kids aren't polite. Kids are often unafraid to ask difficult questions because they're not embarrassed by the truth. Kids can see through the facades that adults have learned to create and can zero in on precisely the thing we adults are trying to hide. So when I'm working hard to hide hide from the truth, I do everything I can to avoid children because I'm really avoiding questions both questions being asked of me and questions I should be asking of others or of myself. And so when I read the following verse from today's reading, I thought it sounded all too familiar. It's where Jesus says the Son of Man, the Messiah, will suffer and be killed, and then three days later rise again. And in response, the disciples The the Gospel says, the disciples did not understand what he was saying and were afraid to ask. How many times have you been in a situation where the truth is hard to hear, and so you just don't ask the question? I know that I've been in this situation way too many times. I've spent years trapped in seemingly intractable anxiety and fear because I was unwilling to ask the hard question like the time I was unwilling to ask my long-distance boyfriend how he really felt about our relationship. So instead, I left my PhD program at an Ivy League school. I worked a menial job just to save money so that I could move to Italy, only to discover upon my arrival that he really had no interest in kindling our former relationship. So there I was, 5,000 miles from home, trapped by my unwillingness to ask the question. Here's another story. Uh, in San Francisco, I'd often talk to gay men, sometimes also to straight men and women, who had, whose fear of getting HIV was so suffocating that they were unwilling to be tested. And so for years they lived as if they were, in fact, positive, dying from a disease that they were unwilling to ask if they even had in the first place. Way too often we ask, act as if escaping the question will save us, as if not asking the question would save us from an imagined pain we believe we cannot bear, only to then find ourselves in the throes of death precisely because of our unwillingness to ask the question. But in today's gospel, Jesus asks the question, and he shows us that the good news of God is strong enough to break our fears and transform our fears into something God can use. As the disciples are walking the road to Capernaum, they travel immersed in their fear of what Jesus has just told them, unwilling to ask what he meant They use the old familiar trick. They they change the subject. But when they reach their destination, Jesus Jesus asks, what were you talking about? And so they have to reveal that they've been arguing about which one of them was the greatest disciple. Their, Their answer is obviously not what Jesus wanted to hear. He had just revealed the most difficult and painful part of his mission and the disciples don't get it at all. Yet Jesus is undeterred. Jesus asks the question, what were you talking about? Jesus asks the the disciples the question that they were unwilling and unable to ask themselves. But this is what Jesus always does. Jesus asks us the question we can't ask ourselves because the gospel obliterates the ego that stands between our fear and the question that will free us from that fear. It's our ego that that tells us we can't handle hearing our boyfriend tell us the truth. It's our ego, ego that tells us our family will be destroyed if they know about our sexuality. It's our ego that tells us we'll die if we hear a difficult diagnosis. Our ego tells us to not ask the question because our ego tells us we have to live our lives on our own that we have to muscle through the difficulties of life based on our own effort or our own perceived self-worth. Our ego tells us that questions just mess with the game plan we use to control the outcomes of our lives. But the gospel doesn't have anything to do with our game plans, and it certainly doesn't have anything to do with our ego. We know this because of Jesus' response to the disciples, their ego-driven attempt to rank their value. Each one of them, I'm sure, competing to be the king of the mountain. Jesus says, whoever wants to be first must be last and servant of all. Then he goes further and says if they want to be greatest, they have to become like children and they have to welcome children. In first century Palestine, society was organized into these highly controlled and structured households. Everyone had a place in the household. Both children and servants were the lowest of the low in the household. They had no power, and associating, with, associating with, with them was like showing up to a party after you've just been dumped, talking to your Baptist parents about being gay or trans or admitting that you have HIV. Associating, associating with servants and children was not the way to puff up your ego or win prestige. So Jesus' words had to have sounded like bad news, just like they sound like bad news to us today. Nevertheless, Jesus says to be on top in this new way of God is to get up and close and personal with these things that we fear. Facing these fears works just like Jesus asking the question, what were you talking about? The way of the servant and of the child frees the disciples and frees us from the bondage to our fears and our ego. Jesus frees us from the need to to, to be the best or to muscle through life on our own. Jesus frees us to face those things we think will kill us because he says that knowing how our partner feels, hearing a terrible diagnosis, being out in our conservative Christian family, living openly with our fears is actually what frees us. Asking the question and knowing the truth saves us because in doing so we learn that we are human and humans have never been able to make it through life on our own. We've never been able to save ourselves. We've always had to depend on each other. And the gospel tells us that our salvation comes from that dependence because this is where we meet God. In the flesh and blood of other fellow humans. God steps into human flesh because God knows that when we try to meet God outside of our humanity, we will always become increasingly alienated from each other. God enters into the brokenness of human life because God wants to lure us into falling in love with each other. Rather than with our own ambitions, desire for power, and ego. Therefore, the gospel frees us to ask the hard question because the answers, even the most horrible answers, will not kill us. Instead, the most awful answers to our most feared questions are the key that unlock the door to a life of peace and harmony with each other and with God. So go ahead. Ask the question, are you gay and proud? (laughs) Do you love me? Am I healthy? What were you talking about? Amen.